Hi, friends. Welcome to God Stories. I am your host, Cassie, and I am so glad that you're here with me today. This is where I have on my friends, both new and old, to share their God stories. From the big, aha, miraculous, life-changing moments to the ordinary, everyday moments that are oftentimes the very extraordinary, life-changing ones. My hope is that you're encouraged. My hope is that you're sometimes challenged. My hope is that you feel welcome and enjoy today's episode. Hi, welcome to God Stories. I'm so glad you guys are here. Today I have Don and Bridget Brewster on. Would you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves? Hi, yeah, I'm Bridget Brewster. And I'm Don Brewster, and we uh, founded a ministry in Cambodia to help fight sex trafficking. Yes, and how many years has that been going? 16, more than 16 now. Yeah, a little over 16 years. So I got connected with you guys, kind of like I was telling you before, I was at an Elijah Rising event in Houston, and this was probably seven or eight years ago. I don't know if you remember, but um, you spoke, and it was truly inspiring and I loved hearing about the work you guys did and then God brought you to mind this year and I'm so glad we're connected and you guys could be on so I can hear more of what you do and what you're doing but will you tell me how you guys got connected with Cambodia 16 years ago and why you started sure Sure. it was um we went on a missions trip um I was just turning 50 so it was a little over 17 years ago and um I went because Don was head of Compassions and Missions from this church we're at in California. And of course I was gonna go along. And um, we went to the Philippines and Cambodia and we were aware of Cambodia's history growing up watching the Vietnam War, and knowing about the killing fields um, that happened after that, the Khmer Rouge and then the Civil War that didn't get over until the late 1990s. And so we went in knowing the history, um, Don was doing leadership training and I was just along um, for the ride, really. And while he was doing leadership training, I'd be playing um, with kids that were in a kids club while he was teaching. And, um, you know, my first, when we first got off the plane in Cambodia, I felt this oppression fall on me like I'd never felt before. And I thought, oh gosh, this is a desperate place. Um, but as we traveled and the people we met, the hospitalities in our DNA, the way they tried to take care of us and make sure we were fed and watered and um, and the poverty that we saw and then seeing how people had, they had risen up from the ashes out of the Khmer Rouge, that just the faith that they had and, and the love that they had was just incredible to see all this restoration out of such loss. But it wasn't until we got home from that trip about two weeks later, there was a Dateline special about children for sale and uh, this little village outside of Phnom Penh. And while we were in Cambodia, 10 days were in 14 different provinces and nobody mentioned this wow. at all. We saw a lot that was needed. Um, you know, they don't have the resources like we have in America and all that, but nobody mentioned that. And when we found out that that was happening, that was that oppression, I think, that we felt when we initially got there. Wow. I want to brag on my uh, bride a little bit because she left out part of the story. <laughs> so it, it was a pretty tough trip, that first trip to Cambodia. And, um, you know, a lot of the roads were still bombed out. And you know, it was just, it was, it was a difficult trip. Uh, but when we got on the plane to go back to California, uh, 
she put her hand on my knee and said, I thank God we never have to come back here again. Oh, wow. So yes, uh, I with, with that as her initial uh, feelings, uh, when uh, she found out what was happening and knew God was calling us, she, she went with great joy and has spent 16 years living in a place that she was never going to go back to before. That's so incredible. Yeah. Wow. So you guys saw the Dateline special and then was your Bridget, did you feel then like, wait, we have to go back now or what happened after the Dateline special? Yeah, we did because, you know, every village that we would leave, these little kids would be running after us after the van till we just couldn't see them. And I thought, what if this is some of these little kids that we saw? It was, and we have four children, 13 grandchildren. And the thought was, if I were in that position and somebody could help and they didn't, that would be crushing, just crushing to me. And um, so we went back on an investigative trip to see what was needed and uh, featured this organization that had been doing rescues and shut down this brothel in Sway Park, this little village about six miles outside of Phnom Penh. And we found out what was needed was aftercare. They had stopped doing rescues because there's no place to put these kids that they rescued. They're either back on the street or in brothels or they're in prison. And it was a co-ed prison that murderers and rapists were in there. We were like, oh, this just can't be. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it, it was, it was, it, it was a, and it was at a time when there wasn't many people doing it. You know, there, there wasn't many people doing it aftercare. Mm -hmm. So it was, uh, we, we just had to do the best we could uh god providing great expertise for us but even then it was like when we when we started we knew like we're gonna have to make a lot of changes right yeah, yeah you can write up this plan but when you get on the ground and doing it you know we're gonna need god to lead us through that because there's nobody's really doing it we nobody to learn from at that time and he led you guys to live full-time there right yeah 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 we moved there and and we actually lived in the aftercare home with the girls oh, wow. and our staff. So it was, uh, that was very interesting as well. A lot of, lot of stories, <laughs> uh, some sad, some very funny, uh, but all, all of them, you know, we were able to see God work in miraculous mm -hmm. ways and children that have been uh, abused beyond what our imagination could be. I mean, just horrible stuff and see you know, 16 years later, them as successful young women, some married with kids, others, professionals graduating from universities, wow. and, you know, and just wonderful Christian women. It's, yeah, it's really cool that we get to be a part of that. It's like extended family, I'd imagine for you. They're like daughters, I'm sure. Mm -hmm, um, they really are. We have so many daughters and granddaughters and grandsons now, you know, that we never imagined. Our lives are so enriched by all this, you know, and it's, it's really funny how we had this five-year plan. We thought it would take us five years to get one aftercare up and running with 24 girls. And we had that within three months of opening. So it's funny, we make a plan and God says, I'll show you, you know, and just how he, he guided us all along the way, because we didn't know. Yeah. So is that, is that what you guys specialize in is aftercare? Well, that's what we thought we were going to specialize in, but uh, 
what what happens is you know you start with that and and you know you go in you don't really understand the full cultural context or even the issue because again there wasn't people really doing it to learn from but uh, you know the girls came in uh, God brought us the right people to help bring healing to them or He actually heals through yeah. them and uh, but then you have to reintegrate a girl. Well, well, how do you do that? And how do you do it in a way that the girl continues to be connected to the love of God, be a part of his family, have employment that, that he, they could care for themselves? So all of a sudden we had to become uh, experts in reintegration. How do you successfully reintegrate girls? And um, that... It, you know, it really became a thing of keeping them connected because there's not many Christian families in Cambodia. And so to keep them connected to the uh, house moms and, and uh, social workers that were part of their healing. And so they actually follow up and still today, every, every month, follow up with the girls, right? Oh, and, that's so neat. Yeah, and, it's, and then, you know, so that part was good. And then finding good jobs. You know, in a, in a developing country uh, where uh, women are second class citizens, finding good jobs where they can support themselves and help support others. And in, um, in some cases, when the girls come very young to us, we could, they could graduate high school and go on to university. But older girls that would come like 14, 15, 16 years old, uh, they'd never been to school before. And during the time they were going to be with us, they were not going to be able to graduate high school or even honestly become functionally literate. So we, we opened employment centers. And so a girl like this T-shirt I'm wearing and, and Bridget's wearing, the girls make them, they make jewelry. And uh, we, uh, we don't make money, but we don't need donations. It's self-sustaining work for them. So, you know, so, and so that was great, right? You know, so now, but then, then there became a problem with rescues, right? And, and the girls, they were no longer being successful at rescues. And so uh, we came up with this idea that of a SWAT team. And we're thinking we could maybe be the first Christian ministry in the world to have its own SWAT team, right? And, and uh, so we, again, we studied the best we could. God provided some expertise for us. And, and we went to the general over anti-trafficking -tra police with this plan. And we were certain he was going to say no. I mean, well, he was not going to approve that. And so we were ready. We were armed with all the... Uh, ammunition we needed to convince him to change his mind and say yes but after taking what seemed like forever to go through the plan he put it down and he said let's do it which in a way made us angry because we thought we have all these good arguments so we want to bring you but uh, but we were so shocked that it was so fast and again that's just a god thing who has something like that right, right. And, and so then, though, but you need money. And we needed about $250,000 for startup and two years expenses. And it's funny, we got a call from uh, a supporting church from the senior pastor at that church. And, 
And he says, you know, we're looking for a project. And, uh, do you, and we'd like to support a project with you guys. Do you have anything? And um, he goes, we'll do it for our, through our Christmas offering. And it's a big church. So we think, well, this is possible. And so we said, well, you know, we want to start a SWAT team. And he said, a, a SWAT team? He, he goes, you mean like with vests and guns? And I said, yeah, yeah. And he goes, oh, yeah, that's, that's too big a stretch for our church, right? So he happened to be writing a book at that time about how churches need to think outside the box. And so he went to his staff and said, you won't believe it, this crazy guy in Cambodia asked us to pay for his SWAT team. And they said, well, isn't that what you're writing about? Oh. Getting outside the box. And the next day he called back and said, Oh, they I got convinced we're gonna we're gonna do that. So he had a campaign bullets for Jesus, and and they ended up more than funding the SWAT team. Wow. And, and so you get you have all those things going on, right? And God just provided, right? The situations came up, he provided. But then we thought, like, all those are really good things, but they're, they're kind of like Band-Aids, urgently needed Band-Aids, but they don't reduce the problem. So, we, you know, we got thinking, what can we do for prevention? And, and there are basically two ways, right? You protect the vulnerable and you reduce demand. And so we had, uh, we had some ideas on that and uh, we built a school in Swipoc, uh, which can have up to 1,500 students. That's incredible. And, yeah, and it, what, what's cool about it is it combines uh, immediate, long-term, and eternal protection. And so immediately when the kids go into the school, we have social workers who follow up with their families unannounced. And so we've never had a kid or their siblings that were part of our school ever trafficked in a village where almost all kids were trafficked before that. Uh, and, and then our school happens to be one of the highest academic schools in the country. Uh, again, just like how God provides, but the Prudential Company came to Cambodia to do a STEM contest for schools, right? Science, technology, engineering, and math. And we weren't invited. The schools that were going were, it was 10 to $15,000 US per year for a kid to go. And, and uh, so we weren't invited, but we take our kids out every month on a field trip. And they went to this center that's like an, uh, like a, adventure center for kids to try different things and that's where they were going to hold the contest and the people said why don't your kids participate they asked our expat staff that was with the kids and they said well what's what's the setup and they said well it's going to be for fifth grade kids and uh they told them the schools that were coming and our expat uh, that work with the Cambodians said, well, you know, no, that wouldn't be good for our kids because we'd have to send a third grade team against fifth graders and these are the best schools. And so they said no. 
And when we get back from the trip, the Cambodian staff came to us and said, hey, we want the kids to participate. Why can't we? And so he said, okay, you know, we're a, little, we're a little like, you know, we don't want the kids to feel embarrassed. You know, they're so small and they don't have cool uniforms. And so there's 25 schools. And after three days of competition, our third graders against fifth graders came in second in the country. Wow. <laughs> and they were so like, those kids are so proud, you know, wearing Aww. their medals and, and, um, you know, God just, and then like, so we have all that going on, but we're not reaching young men who are part of the traffickers, right? And part of the um, problem using, right? Uh, the kids and women. And we got this idea and one time, we're going to start a gym to attract. I remember them. this. I remember <laughs> you saying this. Uh -huh. This and is so was, cool. Yeah. And it, 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 what God has done, he brought us a coach, an amazing coach, uh, third generation Christian in a country that's less than 1% Christian, right? So like, uh, how, does, how do we get that person who was a national champion, mm -hmm. kickboxer, right? So he comes on our staff and we start attracting all these guys. And, and, you know, God is just changing their hearts. And, and we have 22 that are professional. They're on TV every weekend, kids from our gym. <laughs> and, and we have three national champions out of that gym. And then recently, one of the, one of the cool, just again, how, how we're blessed with God bringing just wonderful people. Um, there was one guy in the community really bad like the toughest guy, everybody's afraid of him. And the coach thinks we need to get him in the gym. We need to get, you know, God working on him. So he goes and asks him, you know, what you can come and work out. You can be a kickboxer. And it, the, it, the kid says, yes. So he's coming to the gym, but he goes back to the neighborhood all the time, the bad neighborhood. And, um, but so it's not really working. Uh, so the coach says, why don't you come and live with me and my wife and children? Now, we don't recommend this, but he hadn't spoken to his wife to let her know <laughs> what he had done. So he goes home and he says, uh, he tells her, you know, I've climbed in, uh, is coming to live with us. And she goes, oh, husband, I am so afraid of him. And he says, well, I'm afraid of him too, but Jesus said he should come. So he'll be here tomorrow. Uh. <laughs> this kid uh, ends up marrying the coach's sister. Oh, wow. He's an awesome Christian man. He is. Great, great Christian father. And in, in the, um, it's kind of like the Olympics for Asia. It's called the Asian Games. Mm -hmm. And he is going to represent Cambodia in the Asian Games. That's incredible. Isn't it? Like, yeah. it's just, you know, what God can do. Uh, and it's and, like, if that guy would not have been obedient to say, come live with me, Jesus said so, he wouldn't have been in that yeah. same place. No, yeah, that's incredible. No. One thing I thought of, I wanted to ask you guys is, do you have the Cambodian government support? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes and no. Okay, it, it, uh, we with the police we have great support. 
Yeah. We work very closely with them. Does your but, SWAT team work with the police? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We and we we have to we have to partner with them mm -hmm. to to be successful uh, and legal. Uh, that's how we that's our agreement with the government. Um, but the as far as helping, right? There, yeah, that there and. Um, you know, part of it is, is, you know, they don't have a lot of resources to help with. Uh, and we've had some difficult times. We had somebody, in, you know, the, uh, in 2 Timothy, you know, Paul writes uh, uh, that all Christians are going to face persecution, right? If you follow, if you're following Christ. And at one time, a couple years ago, a guy wrote an article. He was a newspaper guy, Cambodian. He wrote an article filled with lies about us in our in our ministry. He said that we were we took all the money and we lived in a palace in Phnom Penh. They were so outrageous, like it was. But the prime minister read it and he went on national television and said we were out. That we're out of the country. It was picked up by the New York Times, The Guardian, CNN, all these are saying we're out. And, um, and it, it, our, all our staff, you know, and we're, we're like at 400 staff at the time, I think we're, we're gonna be shut down, the prime minister said so. And Bridget had a really tough job of keeping our staff like, filled with hope, like, you know, God's still in charge, you know, let's wait. And I would spend 10 or 12 hours a day being interrogated by the police. Um, but anyways, after, after going through it all, and everybody for sure thought we were closed, the prime minister went on national television and said, well, we checked them out and they do good things so they can stay. Wow. And a couple, a couple of months later, he gave me a medal. Oh. Because of all the good work we do in the country, so you know, that's like of, a roller coaster ride, <laughs> right? And so it's it's, but again, it's just it's it's just an indication of uh, what God can do, right? Because nobody would have thought that we would be we would get by that, and every single time when it looked like things were really bad. So either financially or other issues, every single time God came through in amazing ways. Yeah. Did you guys face a whole nother level of challenges with COVID? Yeah, we have. And God has just carried us through that as well. We've been able to keep on all of our staff, oh, good. Um, which has just been miraculous because a lot of other organizations have had to pare down or close and you know, and, and in our office in America, we've been able to keep that going and then going into Belize. So God just keeps blessing us amazingly. We're just yeah, yeah. astounded. There's just so many miracle stories of God's protection and provision for us. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 we, we had to change how we do, do things, but everything mm -hmm. is kept open. The only, uh, the only thing where we, really it's closes our employment centers because of the law we can't we can't have them open but we've been able to pay 
all the girls, again, we're talking over a year without selling any product because they can't make any. Uh, we've been able to keep all the girls, pay their salary and benefits uh, without any cuts throughout that whole time. So yeah. it's, it's been amazing. Yeah, and our staff has been working okay. as first responders, you know, taking hygiene supplies and medicine and food out to the community. Yeah. You know. I, I was thinking earlier when you were talking about the girls, did most of them, once they graduate, want to stay in Cambodia? Most of them don't have a choice. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, the, we've had, and we just had some girls come to testify in the U.S. against an American pedophile mm -hmm. that hurt them in Cambodia. Girls that do that will get an opportunity to come because they've testified um so we have six girls uh here right now uh well one is actually volunteering in cambodia full-time uh serving uh, and we've got another 18 that'll that'll probably come in three different there are three different cases three different american pedophiles that will probably be extradited to the u.s and stand trial. And so those girls uh, will, if that happens, will have that opportunity. Uh, Not to live, but to visit? Well, they can, they can get a visa to come oh. and live. Okay. And all, the, all those, this original group was like 12 years ago, they came to testify. And then maybe 10 years ago, they moved here. But there was a uh, retrial over a technicality. So it, a couple of weeks ago, they just testified. They had to go through the whole thing again, which was horrific. But they again were incredibly brave, and he was convicted on all charges once again. But uh, they all have—they've um, all stayed here. Mm -hmm. in they have the the green cards. Yeah, can yeah. be oh, That's really so, neat. Yeah. yeah. So I just want to ask you a couple more questions. One that comes to mind is how do you guys, after everything that you've seen, which you've seen a lot, and I'm sure some of it sticks with you, how do you not internalize everything? I know Jesus, but yeah. is there anything that you guys have to do to not internalize everything? Absolutely. It's um, just a lot of it, just staying plugged into Jesus, um, into the source and um, spending a lot of time in worship and time in the word and prayer, but also seeing miracles in real time that we see with these girls of their restoration and um, the staff that we have, they're just, they are just saints, they're amazing. Um, many of them were survivors of the Khmer Rouge or born soon after that or during the civil war times and just seeing their faith and their love, I mean, they really helped us. I mean, when Don talks about that time when we had to pray through not getting kicked out of the country. Their faith was just so inspiring to us. It is every day. Um, and then yeah. just seeing the, the girls, you know, we just get to see the fruit of all this. Um, yeah, that's I, what sustains us. Yeah, I think the, the one thing to add to that is to celebrate those victories, right? Mm -hmm. It's too easy to say, wow, that was great. Thank you, God. And then just go on to, because the, there's always one more. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we're faithful to celebrate, you know, those uh, victories that we're blessed to have, that makes a big difference too. Yeah, I bet so. And wasn't there a movie made about your organization? Was there a movie? Yeah. 
there's a new movie actually right now. Okay. Uh, that's called Tending Clouds. And it's really not about our organization, but it is. And it's, it's about a, a girl, actually, one that testified in this trial recently about her life, uh, which uh, started with us in, um, in Cambodia and her life since. And now her coming back to Cambodia as a serving as a volunteer in the ministry. And, and so it's, a, it's really a, um, it's a really powerful uh movie i don't know um you know it's not on it's like it's not on youtube or uh netflix yet uh we our ministry does uh viewings at churches or for other groups and so it's been sh shown that way we're actually going to be in las vegas and uh couple of weeks and they're at a conference that's going to show the film but it's very powerful film uh, but also nefarious um that's what actually, I, was thinking. I did that yeah, yeah, yeah featured our work there yeah that's what i was thinking of i think i own yeah. that movie cool and then you guys have moved back to the u.s now how long have you been there or here? um since covid really we were in cambodia last september to december so we've been here was since that then. hard coming back here Yes and no. Yes and no. It was hard to leave everybody behind. Like you said, there are extended family and not to be with them while they're going through all this. But at the same time, um, we're living with our daughter and her family and we haven't seen them or lived with family. And the rest of our family lives in um, upstate New York. So to be a kind of in lockdown COVID with our daughter's family and be able to communicate with the East Coast family easier has been a huge blessing. Yeah, COVID so. has actually been, for us personally, COVID has actually been a good thing. They couldn't run away. Yeah, <laughs> they, they were yeah. with us for the last uh, year. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll spend probably, we'll probably spend in, in the States, we're looking at uh, five months a year probably uh, in, in, we want to start some work here. We actually, we have started some work here uh, in the prevention area. And, and then, so it'll be travel. We'll be doing a lot of traveling still. It's yeah. just that we'll, it'll include the States, Belize, and uh, Cambodia. Because you just opened up in Belize, right? Yeah, we actually haven't taken it. We're going the same way, starting with the aftercare home, because that's okay. what's needed. Uh, which is scheduled to open in January, okay. uh, but uh, it's it's under construction and staff is being hired and trained in preparation for yeah. that. That's so cool. So what do you guys um, find is your biggest need now? Is there any way, anybody that's listening, if they want to help, is there anything that we could do? Yep, there's, you know, there's... Uh, uh, Always, and, and we, we tend to, I think we in ministry tend to leave this to last because it is, we have a hard time saying we need money, right? Yeah. It, you, you, you've got to have that. And so people who can support uh, the work there, uh, you, you know, is, is critical. We need, uh, we need people who are, can volunteer. Uh, we, we, um, 
our expats that volunteer and they it's anywhere from a year to two as a minimum, but most stay five to seven years. Uh, they're just pouring into the Cambodian staff. They're not they're not leading there. We have a great Khmer staff after all these years, but um, as we expand. Uh, we're continually in need of training. And so that's where their focus is and on discipleship. Uh, so people that have a heart for that, uh, we, can, uh, we can use all the time. People who don't want to leave their home but want to get in the fight, we have ways. Uh, uh, there's awareness, helping build awareness uh, of the issue, but also pornography is a big deal. Mm -hmm. Pornography fuels uh, sex trafficking. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, we put together some papers that can help uh, churches and individuals within a church help the fight it first to recognize what, a, what uh, the tremendous impact uh, that uh, uh, porn has on trafficking of children. It's crazy, the direct connection. Yeah. Uh, and and ways to uh, address it in the church, because frankly, if porn is used by people in the church as much as people outside the church, uh, research is pretty uh, solid on that. And then uh, what we usually lead with, because I do think it's the most important, uh, is prayer. Mm -hmm. right? we, we, need, we need to be bathed in prayer, because this is certainly a spiritual battle. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Right. And so we need to be bathed in prayer. But our website, uh, aimfree.org, uh, can link you up to all those all those different things. Uh, and you can, you know, if you, you can start in a simple way, you can buy a, a, a jewelry or a T-shirt. Yeah. Coats, you know, yeah. Our girls have some really nice product that we have an in inventory. Oh, I can't wait to go see it. You know, I talking about pornography, I'm so thankful that pornography and sex trafficking is talked about more. I think in recent years, it's talked about more. I had a guy, I don't know if you've heard of American Ninja Warrior, um, the oh, yeah. show, but I had a guy that is on there and he was on my podcast and used to have an addiction to pornography. And he said that he didn't get free from it until somebody else told them that they used to struggle with that. And so when people talk about it more, then it frees other people, right? We can get free when we're vulnerable. Other people feel like they can get vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And I think the yeah. same is true. Sex trafficking being talked about more, you know, that's good awareness. It's I'm glad to see both of those talked about more. Yeah. Yeah. And then prayer, your whole organization, your whole time there, you saw so many miracles happen, starting with prayer, just kind of offering it up to the Lord and saying, God, we need this, or we don't know what to do. And then him yeah. making ways. It's truly, truly incredible. Thank you guys for sharing your story and just sharing a bit about your organization and how we can get involved. I really appreciate it. Oh, oh thank you. Pleasure. We're honored that yeah. you thought of us. So yeah. thank you. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to share before I last ask my last fun question? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, everyone will have to go to aim.org and check you out. Um, so the last fun question I asked all my guests is if you could sit down with somebody from the past or present and hear their God stories, who would it be and why? Oh, good. I'm glad it's from the present. I would have to say it was one of the first women I met getting off the plane in Cambodia. Her name is Mom Nem, and she was one of our first hires. 
uh, she was a, uh, like in her late teens, early 20s when the Khmer Rouge took over. And I've heard some of her stories of survival in that time and um, hearing of the um, of just the abuse and the terror and the loss. And to see her come through, she uh, married a pastor. They started a church on an island in the river there, Phnom Penh. It was a women's prison camp during the war. And after the war, men came over and families started. So they planted a church there. But also in her community where she lives, she started an organization that helped women that were um, homeless or needed therapy and help mm -hmm. to get on their feet and get jobs. She also had an outreach to street boys. And then all that she does at our center, she came on as a counselor and now is um, director of the house moms who do a lot of the everyday care with the girls and just the miracles of her how she survived all that and then what she's done in her life and inspired and saved so many people. Um, I hope everybody gets to know her story because she's, yeah, she's amazing. I don't know. I don't know when she sleeps. I mean, everything <laughs> she does, she's just a living saint. Yeah, that she, is so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I had, it was interesting. This was a, should not be a difficult question, but it was because yeah, there's so, so many, many that you think, of, oh, well, yeah, but that one, that person. <laughs> but, um, but I, uh, I landed on uh, St. Francis. Oh, wow. You know, then, you know, the, the impact that he's had for centuries and still mm. has today. Mm. So I, I felt like I, I love to sit down and talk with him and, and learn from him. So, yeah. yeah. That's really neat. I love it. Well, thank you guys so much. Thanks for being on today. Oh, thanks for having us, Cassie. So very Friends, thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed the episode, I would love if you could share it with a friend. If you could give a rating and review on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcast, that would be amazing. That way, when other friends come across it, they know to listen too. You can stay connected with me on Instagram at God Stories with Cassie. Love you guys so much. Have a great day.